I've recently discovered that I have a new love language. You see, my entire life, from the time I was a kid on, my love languages have shifted between words of affirmation and physical touch. And a lot of times, those two have worked best for me when they're combined. Like when somebody pats me on the back and says, good job, or gives me a hug and says, you did so great and I appreciate you. But as it turns out, and maybe it's because it's 2020, and this is a season when physical touch can't really be anybody's preferred love language, I have a new love language. And my love language is when people read the books that I recommend to them. All my life, I've loved to read. Whether it's a really interesting autobiography or an engaging classic or a poetry book or speeches or fantasies or history books, I love the power that words have to make me think and to make me change my life. I love feeling connected to words and to characters and to plot lines and to stories and to themes. I love being able to feel adventure as it happens, to want to know what happens next and to think about the story for days to come. And when I read a really, really good book or a really good article, I don't want to be the only one who knows about it. And in fact, I want to be able to talk about that book or that article or that piece of poetry with my family and with my friends, and with the people I work with. I want to hear what they thought about it. I want to discuss and debate chapters and characters and stories and plot lines with them. And so I find myself recommending books a lot. And anybody in my life can attest to that. I recommend books a lot. And as soon as I finish them, I find myself often sending an Amazon link to somebody for them to order it and telling them how much they need to read it right away. And if they do, and if they come back and they send me a picture of that book on their nightstand or a screenshot of the cover of that book on their phone, I suddenly feel way more connected to them because all of a sudden this story that I love and these characters that I become attached to and these ideas and thoughts that I've been swirling in my head, they're not just mine, they're ours. And the person who I've shared the book or the article with, they suddenly understand me a little bit more because they understand something that I love. And the same is true when they recommend books, I can't help myself but to go out and read it right away because I wanna understand them. And I want us to be able to have these shared stories, these shared adventures and this shared language. Well, the shared story of scripture for generations has been a central part of what it means for us to be the people of God. In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 11, God's people are told this. They're told, you shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, talking of them when you are sitting in your house and when you are walking by the way. And when you lie down and when you rise, you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates, that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land the Lord swore to your fathers to give them, as long as the heavens are above the earth. You see a central part of what it means to be the people of God is to have these words of God. 
this grand story of what God has done and what he's commanded and who we are and what he's called us to be. That is a central part of our days. It's designed to be the thing that we order ourselves around, that we order our lives around. It's supposed to be the focus of our time and our attention and our conversations with our families as a part of our deepest relationships. This shared story is supposed to be central. This book, it's meant to be the focus of our lives. But do we actually live like that? Do we live with scripture as the central part of our daily lives? Not really. According to the latest state of the Bible research from Barna and the American Bible Association. In fact, they found when they did research this year that during this season in particular of COVID-19, between January and July, researchers actually found that our biblical engagement dropped especially around those who would consider themselves engaged with or centered around scripture, which seems especially strange because that same study that they did also found that people who engage with scripture report feeling the following emotions as a result. They feel hopeful and peaceful and encouraged and loved and empowered and confident and intrigued, could you use more hope in this season? Could you use more peace, more encouragement, a stronger sense of being loved, empowered to actually make a difference in an otherwise difficult year, confident in who you've created to be, intrigued by the creator? Could you use any of that? You see, becoming a reader of scripture is a primary way that we become all that we were designed to be. The Evangelical Covenant Church, of which our church is a part of, it came from this tradition of the people of God called the Pietists. And the Pietists had a lot of things that set them apart from other missional movements of God in their time. Like they believed that lay people, you and me, could participate and lead services in a time when churches were relying on highly educated leaders and engaging in mission work locally and globally. And they believed in having a conscious dependence on the Holy Spirit. But one of the major things that set the pietists apart was this notion that the word of God was central to how the people of God lived their lives. Bethel University history professor Chris Gerritz and Salem Covenant pastor Mark Patty put it this way in their book, The Pietist Option. They said, pietists understood the Bible to be an altar where one meets the living God. Far from simply being a receptacle for information, even God-inspired information, the pietists held that the scriptures are primarily a God-inspired gift for transformation. They taught that when we reverently approach the Bible, and we invite the Holy Spirit to open our minds and our hearts and our lives to the word of God, the scriptures are the powerful means by which God can equip us to live out the good we were created to accomplish. So scripture then, 
Scripture is not just a book that we hold reverently, and it's not just a text we use to seek answers, and it's not just a simple retelling of the story of God's people. It is a gift from God given to us to transform our lives. And engaging in this text, it is crucial to what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Jesus himself, he put it this way in the gospels. He said, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and they beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and they beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Now, in all honesty, I don't actually know a lot about building houses. The closest I ever came to building anything even remotely resembling a house was this old rickety tree house that I built in my backyard and the boards were nailed onto the tree with just one nail. And so it was a little dangerous to even crawl up into. But I read enough to know that nowadays there are machines that dig out foundations and they actually pour the concrete for you. And as it turns out, that actually wasn't quite the case in Jesus's time. Kenneth Bailey says this, he says, in Israel and Palestine, villagers only build in the summer. The rains come in winter and the ridge on which Jerusalem, Bethlehem and Hebron sit occasionally will have snow. No one wants to build a stone house in winter. Summer provides dry, warm days suitable for building houses, but there is a downside. As mentioned in Leviticus during the summer, the soil with its high clay content, it's like bronze. But just below that clay soil lies these rocks that provides a firm foundation for building. And in fact, in that region, in the modern day, it is still the accepted process to keep digging and digging and digging into that soil until you hit the rock. And then you can build your house from that foundation up. So you can imagine this foolish builder that Jesus highlights, he decides not to invest in digging into that soil when the time is right, to not dig deep enough to provide a place for his walls to sit, surrounded by soil to keep them steady, sitting on the rock to keep them strong. And he assumes that the house that's built on clay, it's going to hold at least for now but he finds himself mistaken when the rain comes and it begins to wash away the soil and it exposes the limits of the house and those walls start to leak and they start to buckle. But this other builder, the other builder, in the season before the rain even comes, he dug deep. He found the foundation of the bedrock and he placed his walls there. He built it from the foundation up, taking care to construct a house that could withstand the storms, knowing that the storms were going to come. And when they come, he finds that foundation holds. The house remains strong 
and it can withstand all the wind because the foundation that it was laid on was good. Jesus uses these two builders to illustrate a very important truth. A good foundation matters most in the middle of the storm. ECC, have you had any storms this year? Have you had any moments where the wind feels like it's just hitting against the house? Have you had any moments where you've been worried that a leak would spring up? You see, building a foundation in the middle of a storm, that is difficult at best. So how do we build the foundation now? How do we lay a foundation that when the storms come or while you're in the middle of them now, that even though the wind and the rain and the snow comes against it, it holds. Well, Jesus himself gives us two answers what it looks like for us to build a foundation that's strong, to hear his words and to do them. Just like when I recommend a book to friends because I want them to read the valuable information inside and I think they'll find it interesting and I think they'll find the stories compelling and I think they'll see themselves in the characters and I think they'll walk away with a better understanding of who they are and what our world is like and what we're called to do. God didn't just give us his word just to speak it into the void. He gave it to us because he cares about us and he wants us to engage in his word in order to experience him and walk away changed. A friend of mine recently wrote a book called Stay Curious and she compared learning the stories of scripture to learning the stories about her husband when they were first dating. She said, when we wanna know and love someone, basically we wanna know and love everything about them. We want to know the stories of their past and the same is true for our relationship with God. God wants us to understand the stories of him in the Old and New Testament. He wants us to understand what it looks like to be the people of God on mission. He wants us to be able to see ourselves in the history of God's people so that we can walk in the promises of God into our futures. So why don't we more regularly engage in hearing and reading the word of God as it's found in scripture? Well, Barna and the American Bible Association, they studied that too. And they found that some of the most common frustrations with that were that people felt like they didn't have enough time or they didn't know where to start or they just really didn't feel that excited about it, or they found the language difficult to relate to. Can you relate to any of those? Well, the good news is that there are good tools that we can use to better engage the Bible as readers. The first is this, it's a good translation that you love. On our website that we launched just for this series, emmanuel.church slash the word, we've compiled some amazing resources for all different age groups. And they're ones that we sat and talked about and tried to identify the best ones for each age group because we believe that this book, this word of God, it changes lives from the littlest lives to the oldest lives. And one of the things that you'll notice as you look at that page is that we've listed different Bibles for different ages. Everything from the Jesus Storybook Bible for our littlest kids, but it's awesome for our biggest kids too, to the New International Version, the NIV, the New Living Translation, the NLT, and the English Standard Version, the ESV. You see, there are some translations that are better than others because they more carefully translate the Bible from its original languages into modern English but a lot of it is up to personal preference. 
See, I'll never forget one of my first years of middle school youth ministry when one of my middle school students came and she was really, really excited about her brand new King James Version Bible for about a week. And then she realized that as a middle schooler, that is a hard translation to read and understand. And so ECC, test out different translations. Find what one or ones are most readable for you and then engage in this book that we have been given. Now, even engaging in the most readable translation is going to bring up questions about context and setting and what in the world is even going on in this passage. So the next tool for hearing is resources that explain. On our page for the word, we recommended three. We recommended the ESV study Bible, the NLT study Bible, and then these IVP Bible background commentaries. And these are resources that we engage in as a teaching team whenever we're preparing a message. They're affordable and they're easy to navigate and they are helpful as you try to figure out the context and the meanings and the history of difficult passages like Chris talked about last week in his message. And of course, you can also find amazing resources like NT Wright's For Everyone series that dive even deeper into a specific book. And these resources are helpful because they help us to understand what we're reading. They illuminate meaning that we might not understand if we didn't know the context. And they show us where what we're reading shows up earlier or later in scripture. They're this fantastic way to dive deeper into the text or to guide you in moments when you could otherwise get stuck. But of course, Bible reading, it doesn't just stop at transmitting information. We want it to be transformative for our lives after all, don't we? So to be better hearers, we also have to ask ourselves reflection questions that engage. In Read the Bible for Life, Donald Whitney said that we need to go beyond a checklist approach to reading our Bible of I did it for the day, so I'm done. And he said that we should move more towards meditating on scripture, which is just thinking deeply about what we're reading. In fact, this is what the Bible itself tells us to do in Psalm 1. It says to delight in the Lord's instruction, to meditate on it day and night. One way that we meditate or think deeply about scripture is to ask questions that go beyond the surface. And of course, context questions are important. Who's speaking? Where are they? What's going on in the background? But we should also ask deeper questions. Like why is this person responding to God in that way? What's important about this passage? How does this relate to the larger story happening or the whole story of God's people? What is this passage trying to teach me about who God is or about what it looks like to live our lives as God's people? What is the application to my life today? And finally, because we're busy people with busy lives and we have to have time and space set aside in order to engage in scripture, we need to be able to do that. There are a few different ways that you can do that. There are some really cool apps like First Five that lets you set an alarm so that the first five minutes of your day are spent in scripture for those of you that prefer sort of that digital route. But if you prefer something a little more analog, decide when and where you're going to engage in scripture and make it a meeting with yourself that you can't miss. Prioritize that time. So maybe it's in the morning before your day starts and the kids wake up, or maybe it's at lunchtime, 
or maybe it's at the end of your day, and maybe it's on your porch, but probably not in the next few months, or maybe it's before you go to bed or it's in your office, engage regularly in this gift we've been given and make it a priority with your time. Those are the tools for hearing, but we're also called to be people who do the word of God. And there are tools that can help us get from hearing to doing too. The first is what you're doing right now. The first is belonging to a community of engaged believers. Whether this is your first visit or you're an ECC regular, we are so glad that you are here engaging with us as a community of God's people. Engage with people who are making it their mission to hear and do, who are seeking out what it looks like to be more like Jesus, who are building authentic community. A community of engaged believers can encourage you. They can support you. They can take care of you and they can help you take your next step. Whether it's engaging in scripture for the first time or it's seeking to apply what you're reading to your daily life, and the good news is, is that an engaged community of believers gives you the opportunity to do the same thing for the next person. One of the best tools for doing that that we have here at ECC is called Small Church. And that's where ECCers regularly get together. And in this season, we have some small churches that are meeting in person with, with safe guidelines, and we have some groups that are meeting virtually. And they connect with each other, and they pray for each other, and they get to know each other, and they read scripture together. They dive deeper into messages, and they serve the community. They're people who live in similar neighborhoods who do life together. And it's been fun to hear stories in this season of how these groups are caring for one another taking your next step to connect to a small church, it's really, really easy. All you have to do is go to emmanuel.church next and fill out our virtual connect card and let us know that you want more information about what small churches are meeting in your neighborhood. You see, those are two sets of tools that are close to what it means to be a part of this movement of churches that see the scripture as central to everything we do, that ask one another not only the question of where is it written in scripture, but also how goes your walk? Where in scripture are you finding truths that guide your life, but also how is it actually impacting your day-to-day -day movements? I love the way that scripture summarizes what it looks like to be both a believer that hears and does. And that comes out of James chapter one. It says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and he goes away and at once he forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Reading God's word and doing what it says is important because God's word tells us who we were meant to be all along. It reflects to us the life we were created for, the purpose we're here to accomplish, the relationship with God that he longs to have with us the most. And so when we show up fully to scripture, when we both hear and we do, we become more and more the people God longs for us to be. 
and more and more we find ourselves living the lives that we longed for the most at the very depth of how we were created. I love the way that this attitude towards scripture is said in the pietist option. They say this, finally, read with the word yes on the tip of your tongue. Come with a willing spirit and a desire to live fully into the life which God is calling you towards. Read with a sense of expectation that God will speak to you and with the intention of being obedient, a hearer and a doer of God's word. Don't open the Bible to simply go through the motions. Don't listen to a sermon or engage in a small group simply for entertainment or to sit back with a critical spirit. Don't memorize or meditate on scripture just to feel better about yourselves or to get others or even God to think more highly of yourself. But come to the scriptures to say yes to God. Yes, I want to allow you to love me. Yes, I want to receive the nourishment, the guidance, the transformation and the empowerment you offer. Yes, I want to love you with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my soul, and with all my strength. And I want to love my neighbor as myself. Yes, I want your will to be done in and through me. The purpose of studying the Bible is that we would grow to live according to it and thereby to the glory of God. So ECC family, whether you're engaging in scripture for the first time ever, and this is all so new to you, or you're engaging in it for the first time this morning, whether the process of hearing and doing is new to you or whether that's a regular part of your daily rhythm, may we all show up to this book that God has given us and give him our yes. Let's pray. God, thank you that you are a God who loved us enough to say, I want you to share in my story. God, thank you that you have invited us into your family. And when you did, you gave us the family history. You wanted us to know what it looked like to be people who were following you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. You wanted us to be able to see examples of when people's lives went well and when it went poorly and what the difference was of following you in those moments. And so God, I pray that as we engage in this book, that we would do it, whether we're new or I've been doing it for a while with fresh eyes this morning. God, that when we come to scripture, we would find more treasures of who you are. God, more, more uncovering of what it looks like to follow you, that we would see ourselves reflected in the stories and that it would help us to be able to more and more live lives that are worthy of the calling that you've given us. And so God, help us as we engage in scripture. Help us to, to wade through difficult passages. God, help us to be able to rejoice when we hit things that just make our soul sing of who you are. And so God, be with us in this endeavor of us pursuing you through your word. In your name we pray, amen.